I'm Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Sakara Life. Okay, Sakara Lights, do we have an episode for you? Today, we have sixth generation shaman, Shaman Doric, on the Sakara podcast. If you don't know him, he is one powerful being. And in this episode, we go through certain exercises with Shaman Durek, and we encourage you to follow along, speak the words out loud along with us. It might feel a little weird, but you know that we're always up for the weird at mm-hmm. Sakara. <laughs> shaman Durek is a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hack Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power transform yourself, and light up the world. He is known for demystifying spirituality and making it approachable and understandable. He offers his powerful teachings through his online shaman school, helping people tap into their personal power and unblock the negative patterns that hinder optimal human performance. His teachings have been featured in the likes of Elle, Marie Claire, LA Times, Goop, and many more. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Welcome, Shaman Dirk. We are so honored and thrilled to have you here with us today. As I am as well to be here. It's such powerful visionary ladies who are here to help people to really get back into true understanding of authentic health. Mm, Thank you. So one of our first questions we like to ask is... What is your mission here on earth? So my mission, I don't usually look at my life with a mission. Uh, I look at my life based on the idea of service because there can be many missions. You know, my mission could be helping an old woman across the street or, you know, providing something for a child in another country. So when I look at the idea of mission, I would say more of the idea of being of service and showing people how to be in their autonomy and in their power and how to live their life in a way where they recognize themselves as the resource and not be this codependent person who's operating from the outside and in, but really coming from the inside and out and really sharing that that way of being through themselves and their own autonomy and their own understanding of self to become the next leaders of the world that lead a message that feels right for them and that's authentic to them without them trying to do something because they feel they have to do it, but they do it because they choose to do it. So I would say that my path in life is really to create choice and also to 
uplift women as well as to create an attention of the elderly women and the knowledge and wisdom they share in indigenous culture and in as well as bringing both the spiritual to the scientific world in a way that can be functional in modern day times. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a lot there. And each thing that you said is so powerful. And it really does, it reminds me of this conversation that we were having together when we were at a tune in Serenby in Georgia. And we were talking about relationships. And I'd love to just be able to continue that conversation today. It was so fascinating and we didn't have enough time to dive in. But I think so much of what you do around this women's empowerment and helping people to stand in their authenticity and to do things because they want to, not because they have to, plays a huge role in the success of a relationship. What are some of the foundational principles and concepts of developing a successful relationship? So I think the first, you know, that I find within my own relationship, which has always been the tried and true that makes everything so wonderful and beautiful is the transparency. You know, uh, there's nothing greater than having nothing hidden and being completely honest from day to day on like what is there, what is present, but not from a place of being a victim, but from a place of just sharing and being able to communicate this awareness. And so what happens is, you know, in a lot of relationships that I see, especially couples who come to me for couples, um, you know, counseling, I find that they created these walls and barriers of the things that they feel that their partner will not understand or will not be able to, to handle. And right there, your relationship is meant for disaster because the moment you remove transparency from your relationship is the moment other people will start feeling insecure and that insecurity can lead into all types of, uh, you know, very, um, I would say different types of emotions that are not qualified in the, in the range of unconditional love and acceptance, but much more in the realm of, I need you to be this or this, because this makes me feel like this. And you did this thing to me. And this is why I'm acting this way now. And this is why I'm shutting down because you said this and it becomes bickering and it becomes arguing and it becomes power play. And it becomes just a very interesting ball of chaos. That's not necessary, especially when we have enough of that in our world. And I always find when people say like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm eating healthy and I'm doing yoga and I'm going to all these different retreats and doing all of these different things. But then when I come to their house for dinner, they're arguing with their husband or their wife and just, you know, spewing out poison because of their inability to truly come back to the basis, which is if you're getting upset by the person you're with, that's great. That's like, that's really good. Like when my girlfriend gets upset with me, we don't go into this, like, let's fight and, and battle it out. It's literally an opportunity for growth. And so it's an opportunity for her to look at her trigger, what triggered her and realize that I am there to actually trigger her. So it's like this this amazing, like blessing that gets thrown on the table of like, look, there's a weakness. There's an insecurity. There's something you're holding on to. That has really nothing to do with me other than the fact that I'm just being me. And because of the way I chose to show up, it's affecting you. So perhaps you go figure out what that is and then come back to me and share with me what that trigger was. So I can see what I'm doing in my behavior to correct it so that those things don't happen anymore. But where we are in today's society, we don't, you know, we don't do that. Most human beings and relationships are operating on the idea that it's the person's responsibility to make them happy. And right there, 
again, another false foundation. Mm -hmm. You need a strong foundation. Yeah. And I think also people, we feel the need to defend ourselves a lot and, and the idea of being wrong or, or I guess not being right in a situation or, um, one thing my husband and I run into often is exactly what you just said, that instead of hearing each other and hearing it as an opportunity to grow, we, we, we start to defend why I made this choice and why, and it just like, it, it spirals into this thing. And instead of defending ourselves, if we could just hold space for the other person's experience, it, it would completely transform the entire conversation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and if we were to take your husband and you, for instance, right? So let's pull down your files for a second. <laughs> okay. So both of you are very opinionated. It shows here in your files. You both have very strong ideas about things and you want to bring them to, t- to the table because you both want to be champions. You both like, where are the champions? I'm the champion. You're the champion. We're both champions, right? And so it's like... But at the same time, you both also don't want to upset each other because you don't want to get in trouble. So because you don't want to get in trouble, you both go into, I'm the champion. However, I don't want to get in trouble. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tiptoe slowly in hopes that you won't get mad about the truth that I'm here to present as the reason why I was created and why I saw these things and felt these things and experiencing these things and throw them on the table. So what happens, mm-hmm. it becomes this tango dance of tiptoeing around. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever danced tango, but you got to be like really in your groundedness when you dance like, you know, Argentinian tango. And right. when you're like tiptoeing around to, to like not get the other person upset with you, you're actually losing your autonomy. And not only using, losing your autonomy, you're asking for permission to be wise, or you're asking for permission to be knowledgeable, or you're asking for permission to have a voice. And so both of you are doing that because of what you experienced in your families. And yeah. so there's that passive aggressive energy that still existed in your families that you both experience. And this way, one of the things that you both come to transmute is what keeps showing up. It's that... I want to be able to say what I want without getting in trouble. And I want to be loved while I'm saying it and be held space for me while I'm saying it with unconditional love, with the idea that there's value in what I'm saying, not, I don't want to get you upset. And then later you take it on to me three days, four days, six days later, because that's the lesson that you both are remembering to, to take into consideration for your growth. That's exactly right. Could you just really quickly speak to what you just did just for our listeners that don't know you like we do, <laughs> like what you just tapped into checking, checking the files. Yeah. Yeah. So I am a sixth generation shaman and I've been trained since I was a kid to be able to listen to people's thoughts, emotions, look at files, look at body language, breathing, um, how they move their eyes the words and uh, lexicon that you use tells me how your brain is actually functioning and how it manifests and how you actually manifest in your life based on your word structures, which we learn in shamanism. And then also like looking at files, everything exists in the spirit world. So there's always a behind the scenes of what's going on in every person's life. And when you're a trained shaman uh, the way that I am, we have access to those files. So if I'm talking to like a Fortune 500 company, to a CEO, to a housewife, to a lawyer, to a doctor, or like when I, I'm on this TV show, the doctors, and you know, I do a lot of that stuff on, on that show, you'll see that I am utilizing these abilities to help 
better people's lives. So they don't have to spend their whole life in therapy because that sucks. And seriously, like not fun. And you should be out enjoying and having fun and being at the beach and eating yummy food and having great conversations with beautiful people around you instead of like dealing with like, I have to fix myself when really nothing's broken. It's just an enhancement, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. And I have a lot more powers, but I don't want to go into all the depths of them. It's just, there's a long list and it gets- So we'd be here of, all day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But- you know, and it's it's easy for people to hear all of that and say, oh, I don't know about this. How how can I know that's true? And I, I think that it's partially you have to experience it and be listening. And I think people following you and seeing what you do and listening to your podcast or looking at your Instagram, your IGTVs with people, you start to see like how much you're really tuning in. And I think for me, I really saw it with you in that conversation back at Attune when Danielle was talking about a past life regression that she did and she did not tell you what it was at all. She didn't say anything about it. She had told me before about the whole vision that she had and the story and the people and every detail. And then you came and you said, wait, and you were able to completely paint the entire picture of what happened, who was there down to what shoes she was wearing. And that was just such a mind-blowing moment where we're like, yep, this guy is definitely real deal. He is tuned in on a whole nother level. Yeah. What was crazy about that is in my past life regression, what she kept asking me when I would hop from past life to past life was what shoes were you wearing? That was like the first touch point that she would ask when I was like having in this meditation with her. And it was crazy that you called it out because... Like I had seen what shoes I was wearing. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I've been this way since I was a little boy. So it's like, it's for me, it's, it's just a part of who I am. It's, it's how I breathe, you know? And I think for, sometimes it becomes like, I get emotional. Sometimes it becomes a little uh, challenging to be in a world where human beings are still not operating in their and their true capacity for emotional intelligence and ability to access their true technology of how their brain and their body is really supposed to be functioning versus how it's been told to function by a system that wants to keep it minimalized so that they don't realize exactly what's going on and they keep the cloth over their head and continue buying things and doing things that really don't have any value to the human spirit and to the evolution of our species. So I think, you know, for me, it's more about helping other people be able to facilitate that for themselves and open it up and realize how easy it is. Like when I, when I teach people how easy it is to actually live that life and be that and be able to have those gifts and be that sensitive to everything that's actually communicating to you on the average day, on day in and day out, they go, oh my God, I had no idea it was that easy. I'm like, it, you were doing it when you were a kid. You just forgot about it because you got scared or someone told you it wasn't real or, you know, they, they, they did something to create some kind of diversion of distraction to make you believe that that isn't real or that doesn't exist or you're making that up or you're, you're fantasizing or imagining and so forth. And what I just simply do is just bring it back to the basis. So it's like when someone goes into a place and they get deja vu or when someone lays on their bed and they feel like they fell off a building and their body shakes and they're like, what is that? I'm the guy who's telling you what that is. I'm going to let you know what that is. Like, okay, your deja vu is because you have a spirit body that went to the place before you got there and scoped out the whole entire place. And then like 
And now you're there and now it's, you're, you're having memory that your spirit was there already. So, you know, you fell off the bed. That's because you were astral projecting out of your body. You got scared and you freaked out and you fell like you're back into your body. And when you hit your body, you actually had a physical reaction because of the spirit impact. So there's all these things that people are doing all the time. Like women, here's a perfect example. Women are the most psychic beings on the planet. In tribal culture, you cannot migrate a tribe or change a tribe or do anything with a tribe without women's consent because women are the ones who can sense when there's danger. They can sense when the tribe is not harmony and healthy and eating and getting the right nutrients they need for the women to be able to produce life and for the men to be strong enough to, to carry whatever needs to be carried or take whatever needs to be taken in order for them to move and to migrate. And then, of course, comes all these other things that women pick up on, like the ability to know what's the best shelter for them, the ability to know what's right for them. That's why I always think it's funny in our world how men have this idea that they're the ones who choose their wives or choose their girlfriends or choose the person. But it's actually so backwards because women are the ones who are supposed to be choosing their mate because they know by looking at their like, they're like, they look at their bum, they look at their, they're like, look at everything. You know, I don't want to go through all the details of what they look at, but they look at everything, you know, and the yeah. thing is, the reason why. Is because a woman knows what's right for her to have babies, what it's right for her to be able to 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 be to feel safe, to feel protected, to feel her ability to express herself and her emotions and her energy and everything. And so I think that the greatest disservice we've done to women, other than label them and put them in boxes, is to limit them. You know, and I think that in relationships where men can really benefit. From the, from the teachings that I give and the remembrances that I give, which is basically teaching to me, it's teaching is remembering, is to like, just shut up, dude. Just shut up <laughs> and listen and hold space for your woman because you are not powerful by disempowering your counterpart, right? It has to be a power couple. It has to be a unified energy. Well, then why did you choose to engage yourself in this person? If you didn't want to trust their eyes and ears and their knowledge and everything that they bring to the table where you, your blind spots are. So, so when I get to like talk to my male friends and like, I was one surfer friend of mine, he's like pro surfer and I'm talking to him and I'm telling him like sitting at his house in Hawaii and I'm like explaining him like, this is what it looks like and this is what you're doing and here's where you're hurting yourself. Because by you not acknowledging your wife's power and the wisdom that she has to bring because she can see quantumly and you only see linearly, you're only seeing one projection of information information coming directly at you from one angle. Whereas a woman sees the round, she sees the whole complete picture. She doesn't walk in a room and just see where she's going to sit and look on the menu. She sees all the people room, the exits, the danger spots, the places where you don't want to be, the energies that are not vibing well. She sees it all. And like, I'd rather go listen to my girlfriend. I'm like, babe, what do you think? And she's like, well, babe, I don't think you should do that. And you know, this is what I'm feeling about that. I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for your counsel. Good. I got it. I'm going to make my decision now. But it's like, that's the real problem in relationships. The problem isn't that, you know, that there is a problem between relationships. The problem is that women, one, take off their crown and they're queens. Queens don't argue. So when women start arguing, I, they're already lost because men love to argue. <laughs> they get excited about it, like the, the, the grand debate. I mean, come on, real? You, I mean, do you agree? Yeah, man. Yeah, everything oh, you're saying oh, yeah. is resonating so much, especially like the linear quantum difference. And both are incredibly important and useful. So what are some tips? Because I, I feel like oftentimes, and hopefully other people experience this, and I'm not just making this about me, but when I'm speaking with my husband... I feel like I'm trying to 
help him understand all the ways I'm seeing things and help him expand outside of his linear way of seeing something. And I don't think I've been very successful in general. So do you have tips or is that even something I should attempt to do? Or is that where I like start to take off my crown? So the moment you take off your crown is when you feel like you have to go over to a man and get him to understand you. Mm. Okay. So queens don't argue and queens don't waste time throwing their diamonds in front of people who aren't capable of seeing a diamond. So what they do and what I teach women around the world to do is to go to your man and say, look, I'm your wife because you're powerful and I'm powerful. And I have eyes and ears and see things and that different from you. So I have a lot of wisdom to share that I want to share with you about something that I think is going to help you go further and expand further and make more money and be more successful. So when you want to hear what that is, come and talk to me. Mm. So then what happens is the man goes, wow, she's not creating unsolicited advice that I don't want to hear because it makes me more insecure. And she's actually sharing something with me, not from a place of I'm telling you because you're not good enough or you're bad, but more from a place of I invite you to see a different point of view that I know will help your life. So men look at several things. They look at these factors. One, is it going to make them more money? Two, is it going to make them feel good about themselves? And three, is it going to make them feel good about themselves? And four, is it going to make them feel good about themselves? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because if, if we were to look at the understanding of men and women, right? So women just want us to be able to just hold space for them. Like sometimes you don't even have to explain yourself. Just give a woman a hug and she's good. She's got it because she has intrinsic wisdom. So true. She can figure more work hugs, that out, right? More yes. hugs. More, more hugs. hugs. Like, so give me some affection. <laughs> Tell me everything's going to be right. And we're going to move through this. Men, mm -hmm. they need their egos boost. The biggest reason why mm -hmm. men cheat on women is not because they want to cheat on women. It's because they don't feel that their ego is getting enough boost. So they go to another woman to get that super high, that dopamine release of having someone tell them how amazing they are and how good they were and how this they are and all that. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then when they realize, oh, it's gonna, that's going to go away. So then they jump to another woman to get another dopamine boost. So Because all they're doing is boosting. Because why? Because men find their intelligence and their authority in the idea of being a value or having a value or existing. So when we're raised as children, as boys, we learn by having other boys, one, envy us and having women admire us. And so when we get into that space, when you go to a locker room, you don't hear men talking about their, their deep personal stuff they went through with this girl. No, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we got together. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to tell you so much because they don't want that man to think, wow, that was amazing. I should go get that girl. They don't want that. So they keep things very nice and short. And they like to talk more about boosting each other up. Like, dude, you're the man. You're so amazing. Wow. And, wow, dude, that's amazing. Wow, congratulations. Like, it's a boost. It's a male boost, right? So the reason why men go into this, this place where they go into insecurity is because the insecurity is real. The insecurity is real. And the reason why, and I'm going to throw it at you so you can understand it, men are afraid of the vagina. They're afraid of the vagina because they're afraid that that vagina has so much power. That vagina, that yoni, that yoni is like, 
a supernova universe onto itself, okay? Amen. And they, they know, they know, trust me, they know. They don't, they'll never tell you. They're not going to be like, yeah, so I'm really scared that one day you might just pick up and leave me because you have a yoni that is super powerful and like there's tons of people who would love that. Like they, they're, they're not going to tell you the honest truth. So what they're going to do is argue with you and try to keep you down a little bit because they're insecure. But when you get a man who realizes, yes, I'm afraid of it, but I know that we're meant to be together and I'm going to do everything I can to hold space for your power, which also holds space for my power. And I'm not going to live in this depletist, very insecure place. And that's when you get a man who's had a right to passage. Boys who did not have a right to passage to becoming men will not be your man. They'll be your child. And you're going to keep wanting to teach them like, okay, honey, well, you know, um, so you, you know, you don't want to do that. And, you know, you know, because you start, your conversation starts turning into mommy language versus being the powerful queen that you are. It's like, here's my king. Where's my king? My king, I have something to share with you that I think will benefit you. If you would like to talk to me, I'm here when you want to decide what you want to do, but you don't need to explain yourself. You don't need to tell them that you're doing this and doing this and this is the reason why you're doing it unless they say, hey, I don't know why you're doing that. And you're like, well, the reason why I choose to do that, would you like to know? Yes, I would. Okay, now I'll explain to you. You don't need to just go out and say, I need to tell you everything so I can feel safe that you love me because if you don't have that love for yourself and you're not holding that, that fort down of love for yourself and you're getting loved by the, by the attention and the fact that your man is either listening to you or asking you the right questions, then you're, you're, you're going to create all types of um, back and forth bickering and because so, you're going to do everything to get your power back. And so if he has this insecurity, how do we help calm his ego or give him that boost so that he doesn't go looking for that dopamine rush somewhere else? Or, you know, what if he hasn't had that rite of passage that you're talking about yet? Like what is you don't there mess to with, do you don't mess with those you don't sorry not to cut you off no, that's you don't okay. mess with those you don't mess with those men you don't you don't listen if a woman has to sit and wonder if a man is going to call her that's not your man because a man is the type of person who knows what he wants he's very clear about it like he knows there's no like second guessing he's not going to be like okay well maybe I'll call you that's an insecure man why would you want an insecure man you don't want an insecure man if you, if you have a man who's going for the dopamine rush, that means that he doesn't know how to love himself, that he can't sustain what we call sustainability, right, in himself to love and nurture himself correctly. So that means that if you go in a relationship with him, the relationship is going to be governed about you doing everything that makes him happy. And the moment you don't make him happy, he's going to cheat on you. And you, mm -hmm. you can't be with that kind of man. You need men who've had, who are men, who know who they are, they're comfortable with who they are, they love themselves, and they're comfortable holding space for you so that they can shine the light. And you say, babe, shine as bright as you want to shine because that only makes me a better man. Share all mm -hmm. the wisdom you want to share with me because it only makes me a more wiser man. Mm -hmm. Not this like uncomfortableness because you choose to be the queen and because they're still operating in, you know, little boy mode, they feel like you're all shining them. And then they feel like they have to kind of play manipulative games with money and sex and this and that and the other. No one wants that. That's not good. If I had to choose a favorite thing about you, it would be that you make this all sound so easy. <laughs> like every time I talk to you, I'm like, right, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And then I get back to life and... I let the stories of 
you know, it's complicated or this is hard, or it's almost like I forget this truth that you're speaking to. How do we, how do we make it as, as simple as you make it sound? So if it's okay. So if you're hearing me share things with you and it seems really simple, but then you go back and make it complicated, that's because you're in purgatory. That means that you're mm-hmm. not, that you may be getting the information and be like, yes, yes, yes. But you still haven't confessed your fears to yourself. And mm-hmm. so if you haven't confessed your fears to yourself, you're going to be stuck in purgatory. Purgatory is just a dimension of, of conscious thought that you keep allowing to be the thing that structures your reality. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. That's all purgatory is. Despite what the Catholics may say, that's what it is. Right. And so shamanism, we have what is called shamanic confession. Like watch, you can do it right now. Say, Uh-oh. I'm afraid. Go ahead. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Of not having power. Of not having power. And I can feel this fear inside of me. And I can feel this fear inside of me. However, I'm deciding to let it go now. However, I'm deciding to let it go now. And download the truth of my power into my being. And download the truth of the power. Wait. Of my power. (laughs) Of my and power. download the truth of my power into my being. And it feels really good to be in the center of my truth. And it feels really good to be in the center of my truth. Hmm. Now notice how that feels. Do you see how it's blazing inside of your body? Yeah. And I had to really focus. <laughs> like it's not, that's a perfect example. It's so easy to repeat after you, but somehow like, I guess when it, it Whitney and I talk about this all the time, it's like, if it's not uncomfortable, then it's not your work. Like it should feel uncomfortable. It should feel that fire inside of you. It should feel like, you know, in order for us to grow, it has to be a little hard. So these confessions. I don't know, know about that. I don't know about that whole statement. That's an no? interesting perspective. Absolutely you, not. Ugh. Really? No. Tell yes. Me. Are you kidding me? See, the thing is, People make it hard so they can feel like a reward at the end that they finally made it through and now they feel justified. That's an ego thing. You don't have to make life hard. You choose it to be hard. So the thing is, you say it has to be difficult. It has to be. That's what we keep doing on earth. We keep thinking in order to evolve, we have to go through pain in order to make a decision that's right for us as a species. We could choose just to use the feminine energy and look at where love is out of balance and then put love back in the balance without it being this big like war and earthquakes and like, you know, rioting (laughs) and these things that we keep doing. We keep doing that because we're on the wheel of suffering. We keep believing in the wheel of suffering. We think the wheel of suffering is some end to salvation. That is not true. In shamanism, we believe the easier it is, the greater it is, because the reason why it's easy is because you've made the right choices. If it's hard and difficult, it's because you have resistance with your ego. The ego or some belief you're holding on to believes that it has to be hard in order for you to fully accept it. Why? Watch. Go like this. Say, I want to talk to my ego. My turn? Okay, fine. I want to talk to my ego. Say, ego, am I holding a narrative that it has to be hard in order for me to actually really create change? Ego, am I holding a narrative, making it, believing that it has to be hard to make change? What did it say to you? Uh, what popped up in your head the moment you asked that question? What popped up is I believe in, in infinite love. So I don't, I don't think that life has to be hard. I think that I like, I enjoy the process of feeling uncomfortable 
because it means I'm pushing past my boundaries. Okay. Now ask this, say, uh, soul. Soul. Do you like it that I make it hard for you instead of making it easy? (laughs) Do you like that I make it hard for you instead of making it easy? Yeah, no. No, exactly. So say, why do I choose to do that if I could make it easy? Why do I choose to do that if I could make it easy? Um, well, I got, um, edges. Like I love cliff diving. Like I love the idea of change and newness and finding my edges help me experience that. Say, can you do the same? Can I, can I do the same without making it painful and hard? Can I do the same without making it painful and hard? Yeah. Of course you can. (laughs) You're the writer of the script. You're the creator. You're the one writing code and giving it to God and asking God to create whatever you write. I believe all of that. I still believe though, that as part of growth, if you don't find where you're uncomfortable, how do you know where you need to grow? Like, it's not, it's not as if Whitney Whitney and I aren't saying that it's hardships that we're seeking or that we believe life has to be hard. I just believe that as part of growth and it's not awfully uncomfortable, it's just, Oh, okay. That was hard to admit my truth. Not hard, but that was, that was growth. Like I felt it. It wasn't like easy. It wasn't, um, like in an enjoyable way, not like in a torturous way. Does that make sense? Maybe I'm using the otherwise, we, otherwise we wouldn't have a business still because it's been so, there have been so many challenges along the way that if we didn't enjoy this feeling of growth and getting to the next level, we wouldn't be here. Right. I understand you, but you're the one who creating the challenge. You're the one that creates everything that comes your way. You're Mm -hmm. orchestrating it energetically into the realm of conscious influence, therefore creating signal frequencies from your synapses into your body to alert you to different things or attracting different things to you magnetically. So if you feel that having those challenges makes you ground into yourselves as women and be strong, look at, we did it. We did it together. We made it through this. Yay. And so forth. Now let's go and celebrate then that's what you want, then that's what you choose. But what I'm saying is, is the old understanding of Lord Siddhartha who became Utama Buddha and what he said was, and it's very simple and it's something that we shamans live by. It's the idea of liberation. It's the idea that you know where there's imbalance and you know where things are not where they're supposed to be when you feel stuck, limited, held back, fearful, worried, or any of these things because you're holding on to some form of limitation, which means you're letting some box, some form of idea or identity limit you from being liberated. So true liberation is self-transparency. It's the ability to be transparent with yourself, your fears, your realities of things that you no longer want to keep experiencing. And some people will call it spiritual bypassing, but it's not. It's not spiritual bypassing. It's not that I don't see the suffering in the world. And it's not the fact that I got beaten as a child and was an alcoholic and a drug addict and gone through all these difficult things in my life that I'm just acting as if those things weren't difficult. It was the fact that I believed that I had to go through those things in order to be able to understand certain realities. And then as I began to mature and realize I don't need to go through all that pain to become enlightened. I can Mm -hmm. actually laugh myself into enlightenment and therefore lift myself into liberation by just removing anything that feels like it's trying to hold me, limit me, or, or keep me stuck. And then go into that with love and just simply just love myself through the transformational process. 
And so therefore, the edge becomes the reality of me seeing duality dissolved. And I become aware of all possibilities quantumly, and then I choose which one I want. Hmm. So how do I... It's intense. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear that. And it makes so much sense. And I... And wait, sorry, I... It, I want to hear what you have to say. I was just going to add that it's, um, it's, we're like almost saying the right thing. It's like, we're still stuck in something of like the humanness of ourselves instead of like the soulfulness of ourselves when we speak like this. And I hear what you're saying, but it's, it's, it's an uncomfortability that is, it's like what we were talking about at the beginning with relationships. It's, oh, you triggered me. Oh, Okay. Uh, let's work on that. Like, that's what we're speaking to exactly that where that's a challenge. That's a, you know, maybe why does it have just, to be a challenge. Why, why not choose a different lexicon? Yeah, why does maybe it I need to challenge? change my words. You know, like, why has it got to be yeah. a challenge? Why can't it be like, oh my God, you triggered me. This is amazing, babe. We get to go to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah, totally. I love that, that shift of like, I need to change my language around that. That's the whole, I, that's how the matrix gets us. It makes us use language that is taking away our power. Right. Instead of utilizing language as an intelligent energy source that moves energy in the direction we want it to move. Mm. You know what's happening right now, which I love when I'm looking at you, is these light bulbs are just blazing around <laughs> you. Yeah. I've got a you lot of fire. synapses fire. Yeah, you are on fire. I love it. <laughs> okay, so how do we use this power, you know, working, negotiating some leases right now? And, you know, it's challenging times. It's, we're in a pandemic. Things are changing. I think, you know, who knows where the economy is going in the next six to 18 months. All of these different factors, right? How do we, you know, keep our crown on and still achieve the outcome that we're looking for? Okay, so there's several things we have to understand. First, let's just change your whole languaging completely and stop saying this is a difficult time. This is actually a changing time, an opportune time for evolution for all of us to level ourselves up and really step into our powers and our throne and really yep. be the powerful beings that we are. So this is the most amazing time right now. So not mm -hmm. a difficult time, amazing time. Now, second thing is really getting into the idea of deciding who you want these people to be. How do you want to project the image of the people you're dealing with? Like, I don't go into boardrooms and talk to people and not decide what my experience is going to be like. I go into the boardroom before I even get into the boardroom. I go, oh God, like I'm so excited. Everyone is going to have high energy. It's going to be beautiful. People are going to get me. They're going to understand me. They're going to relate to what I'm saying. It's going to make sense to them. I'm super excited. It's going to be amazing. And then I go in and it's exactly what I've created because energetically I'm shifting the narrative frequencies that are taking place in the reality of perception that I'm holding. Every single situation that happens to you, regardless how someone acts, is based on you and your perception. So let's, let me ask the guides and see what they have to say about it. Council members, uh, what do you have to say um, to the ladies in regards to dealing with the situation with the leases and so forth? Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So council member says that the person you're dealing with is coming from a lot of fear and they're coming from a place of like uncertainty. 
So when someone comes from fear and uncertainty, they start nitpicking and nitpicking and looking at all these little things that you're just like, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? What is what? Okay. What is the thing that, so if this person's coming from this angle, what do they need to do? Okay. You need to come from reassurance. Uh, you need to come from the angle of what's happening at this time. You need to come from the angle of longevity, of creating a long-standing situation so that way you're secure and that the person feels secure. You're dealing with someone who's insecure, who's nitpicking because they have un- there's a there's lack of clarity, and you're dealing with not just one person. You're dealing with someone who has someone in their ear talking to them. Okay. And that person who's talking to them is all fear-based. It's all about money. It's all about like, I want this and I want that. And it has Mm -hmm. to be like this because if they don't do this, then this thing will happen. So what you have to do is realize that this person actually does like you, does have that energy and connection, but has some, some, um, some past situations that happened to them that they haven't got over and are holding this, uh, still, and so there still needs, there needs to be an opening of that. There needs to be a conversation and there needs to be an opening and a clearing of that energy. And the way you do that is not lose your power by stepping back, but by also offer, um, offering solutions to ways to, to mitigate that fear into a place where there's certainty of what you're going to do and what mm-hmm. you're going to produce. And here's the reason why what this represents. And this is why we feel very much that this needs to be like this. Yeah. To bring in confidence, bring in examples to help provide confidence for that longevity. Yeah. And and speak on it before it happens. So decide what you're going to walk into before it happens. Set yourself up. We call it, you know, uh, in shamanism, you know, we call it imprinting. So I, you know, I had a girl who's going to audition and I have her imprint the room. So when you go in there, what do the people think about you? They think about this about me and what are they going to feel from your energy? They're going to feel this. So you get to decide what types of frequencies you send off before you get there, but you're doing it consciously versus having your spirit do it, you know, all willy nilly. You're actually doing it consciously. And I do this a lot with CEOs, with lawyers, with bankers. I do this a lot with people in the business world to help them to start orchestrating the energies they want to experience versus the energies they don't want to experience. Because if you go into this idea with worry, this and that and the other, then you're creating the very thing you're asking for. You're asking for stress, anxiety, what's going to happen, uncertainty. You're actually creating the negative energy. And so what you want to go into is like, when we go, when we have this conversation, we're going to be fully grounded. They're going to really connect to our energy. Um, I see them being very open to the things we're saying. And like, then you send that energy over and then the universe can then start orchestrating that energy into manifestation. Great. And what you did there asking council members, is that something that is available to all of us? Of course. Absolutely. Watch, I want you to repeat these words. Whatever you say, I'll do it. All right. Say soul. Soul. I want you to open up your psychic centers in your body. I want you to open up your psychic centers in your body. I want you to accelerate it and increase your breath as well. I want you to accelerate it and increase your breath as well. I want you to fine-tune your abilities to connect to the council members. I want you to fine-tune your abilities to connect to the council members. And I want you to increase the power in your body now, soul. 
And I want you to increase the power in your body now, soul. How does that feel in your body? It feels good. What sensation are you feeling? I feel a little, not lightheaded, but um, yeah, like a little, it's a little more fizzy. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, exactly, because you're opening up your gates. Now say, I feel lightheaded and I feel fizzy. I feel lightheaded and I feel fizzy. Expand my consciousness. Expand my consciousness. How does that feel? Good. I feel a lot of energy on the top of my head. Uh Uh-huh. Good. Now say, council members. Council members. Are you here with me? Are you here with me? What popped into your thoughts when you asked that question? Um... I don't know if it was a thought, but I felt my ears get warm, like like they're opening or something. Perfect. Say, thank you. I felt that. Thank you. I felt that. Can you create another sensation? Can you create another sensation? Now, what did you feel? I felt my pulse in different parts of my body. Say, thank you. I felt that. Thank you. I felt that. Can you tell me something beautiful about myself? Can you tell me something beautiful about myself? What did they say? Um, I just got the word kindness. Say thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. So I can talk to you by listening to you in this way? I can talk to you by listening in this way. What did they say? Mm, I don't Don't, know. Let me tell you what you're doing right now. Thinking. So you you have a voice that comes in when they communicate. Then this other voice comes in and goes, did I make that up? And so you're, you're, you're doing what we call, um, holding on to a little bit of the matrix, but going into the unknown. (laughs) Yeah. I felt, I I felt it more physically than I did like a, a word. You can hear a word. Watch. Say, can council members, can you say a word in my thoughts to me? Council members, can you say a word in my thoughts to me? I just got the word love. Uh, say, thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. So is this real, council members? So is this real, council members? What'd they yeah. say? Yeah. So say, why do we humans make it so hard when it's so easy? Why do we make it so hard when it's so easy? Do you hear what Mm. they said? Mm. I feel like I got something about um, getting back to our animalistic nature and mother nature. Say, thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. So are you saying if people spent more time in nature, their powers would open up even more? So are you saying if we spent more time in nature, our powers would open up even more? Yeah. Thank you. I heard you. Thank you. I heard you. Can you send that sensation um, into my body of what that would feel like? Can you send that sensation into my body, what that would feel like? 
How does that feel? I feel that fizzy feeling again. Say, thank you. I felt that. Thank you. I felt that. Say, can you increase that to 20,000? Can you increase that to 20,000? How does that feel? Good. I don't know what 20,000 is, but I felt a lot of electricity in my face. Yeah, that's 20,000. That means you up the amp, you up you up the frequency of the spirit world on you. Do you think this is something our listeners can just repeat back to themselves as a practice? Of course. And then some. Keep it on repeat. I was, I was following along with you guys. How do you feel you? at 20,000 wit? Um <laughs> Most of my sensation was nipple sensation, to be honest. <laughs> I want there your you council go. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that was coming from, but loud and clear. <laughs> your council members are yeah. cool. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. You're amazing. It's so it's so fun to talk to you. It's like I always feel this sense of um it's back to that theme we were talking about. Like you really do make it seem like it's all supposed to be fun and beautiful. It's such a, it's such a lovely reminder of like, we're not bodies. Yeah. I mean, you're in a biological spacesuit, but I mean this, this, you're an eternal being. So after you lose, you leave this spacesuit, you can create another one or you go back to the inner planes, which people call heaven. I mean, the choice is yours. I mean, the, the cool thing is, is that, you get to write code in this life. You're a code writer. You get to write code and you get to build your consciousness as you choose. You get to build your emotions as you choose. You get to build your perception of life as you choose. And you can take bits and pieces from other people. You can take stuff you've heard from the news or television or movies, whatever. And you get to design what everything looks like to you, how it feels like to you, and the way you perceive life. And it's really powerful. So if we could take information that is actually information that increases technology of our beings and information from the world that we need to create the right consciousness and the right emotions and the right body and put the right things in. Cause every time you're eating food, you're eating code, right? Cause food has code. So that code goes, connects to the code, your body and your body reads the code and goes, Oh yeah, I know this code. I was, I, I was built with this code. So here's where it's supposed to go. Right. Where somebody gets a hodgepodge of like, you know, all these different types of GMOs and all these different things that you put in your body and your body's like, ah, what is this? This isn't what I was, this isn't the code that I was written with. This Mm -hmm. is uh, something else. What is this? And then all of a sudden you get an allergy. All of a sudden you get a skin disorder. All of a sudden you have psoriasis or you have bowel problems or your, your microbiome is off or, you know, all these different things are happening to you because your body doesn't understand the code that you just put in. And that's why it's important for us to eat organic and eat healthy and eat food that is sourced properly and be able to look at that everything we're doing is about relationship. Shamanism is about relationship. People think shamanism is about ayahuasca. It's not. Shamanism is about relationship. (laughs) It's about the relationship we have, like all relationship together that we're having right now, which is so beautiful and wonderful and loving and nurturing. And then there's relationship I have with the trees and flowers, relationship I have with nature and animal, relationship I have with my ancestors, my own body, the food that I put in my mouth, the way that I speak, that's all based on relationship. I have a relationship with my languaging. If my languaging is poisonous, toxic, fear-based, worry-based, you know, holds positions of heaviness and everything, why am I speaking those curses into people's lives or into my own life? So again, relationship, 
right? It's very important. I'm glad that you talked about food. You picked up on my thought waves because I was asking you that question in my mind. Where does food play a role into all of this? And yeah, we talk about how food is information, but I love that you call it a code and that your body knows certain code and knows what code it should be processing and which code is junk and needs to go into the trash bin to be emptied. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that our, our body is mother nature, right? Mm. And so it reads the code of nature. And when man creates this other type of code that's a bit jumbled in all of our food-like products and chemical ingredients, you know, the body's saying, hey, that's not my code. That's not what I'm looking for, right? That's right. Yeah, that's such an interesting way to put it. And it's, it's also something that we talk about, about having this relationship to food where I think until you start thinking about it like that, it's it's weird to think about a relationship with an object, especially food and something that you eat. But food is also so personal and emotional because it's tied to how we value ourselves. It's tied to how we look at ourselves in the mirror, our perception and perspective on ourselves. And so, you know, while it might just be a tomato or a grilled cheese or whatever it is, like it has so much meaning behind it and so much emotion behind it that it's, it's crazy. You can have a relationship with a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love, I have a relationship with tomatoes. I mean, I have lots of relationship with broccoli too, because they're like my trees. I like to eat trees. Like my, I was like a giant and I'm eating a tree. But yeah. like literally, you know, it's like people don't realize that food is intelligence and, and water is the liquid that allows the expansion of that intelligence to operate within the human body, right? Because it's the intelligence of the earth. So every time you eat, you drink something or you drink water, for instance, let's just use this as an example, shamanically, the way we look at it. You drink water, later you go to the bathroom and you pee on the earth, because that's how you used to do it. But now we, it goes to the toilet, it goes to all these tubes, but it still goes to the earth. And the way the earth learns about you as a human being is it learns through you returning that which you have taken into your body back to the earth. So, so Mother Nature, when you pee, that pee has all of the things that you're doing as a human being. And it goes to the earth. Mother Nature has an amazing synthesis through the rooting system of the earth and the fungi that reads that code and then goes, oh, so this is what human beings are doing. This is what my children are doing. This is what they're doing. So then it decides if there's going to be more plants that are poisonous because there's more aggression in us or because nature takes shape off off of our energy. So a lot of times what we say in shamanism, if you're in a jungle or in nature and you see certain, a lot of aggressive plants and you see more animals, more aggressive in a certain area of the jungle, you know that's because they're being affected by the people in the surrounding areas that they're holding a certain frequency and that's being fed back to nature. So nature knows how to adapt by paying attention to what you're sending back to it. And it's that's this like, beautiful synthesis. Yeah, that's like breast milk, right? Yeah, Do you- I was just going to say that. Like we can read our children's saliva when we breastfeed and know what nutrients they need more or less of. And it changes the composition of our milk. So like my milk from let down to let down 
can change based on what my child needs. Now, listen to that. How powerful is that? And then people, and then women are walking on the earth, have the have nerve to think they're not powerful. I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, this is just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so much, you know, again, so true. you know, it's, it's that whole thing again. It's that, and, it, and it's the same thing. Like when you're pregnant and you have epigenetics, you know, it's like your mm-hmm. body knows exactly what the baby needs to turn on and turn off in order to function once it comes out and do the, you know, uh, in the birth. So we have to be really, um, I would say aware, more aware than we've ever been of what type of relationships we're actually creating and why. Are we amplifying love by the food that we eat into our bodies and through our bodies? So if I eat something that's really good, like for instance, right now I've been, I've been living off of this amazing green juice with like almonds and all kinds of roughages and stuff like that, you know, and I've been just drinking that for two days and that's what my body wants and that's what I'm giving it. Right. And then, so my body tells me like, Hey, I'm having a relationship with this right now. And it's a devotional relationship. And so we're just kind of like, you know, connecting into the spirit of these herbs and these plants to feed my system. Now, the body knows really what type of relationship it needs to have to what and where and how, but the only way that it can do that, if you're consciously aware of the nature of your physical being and the conscious awareness comes from spending time in nature, um, being in sunlight, getting a lot of that vitamin D, you know, being able to take, you know, good breaths, drinking water, have enough water in your system. So your body synthesis is functioning. So it can tell you, I need this. And then you go look for that in that food. And so the more you eat live food or food that's healthy and organic and made with love and connected to love, like the food of your, like, cause you, your, your company creates this amazing food. Cause I know, cause I stay at my resident hotel in Mondrian and, uh, and you guys send me the, the food and I feel amazing. I'm like in my bed with a smile on. I'm like, yeah, I got my smile <laughs> on, you know, and like, you can just feel it. You can feel the energy going through your body. It courses through your body and communicates to your cells and to your organs and your endocrine system and to every aspect of your body and says, Hey, this is really good. And this is what I want. And so when we put toxic sugars and poisons and things into our body, it's a hodgepodge of nonsense. And then our body starts creating all these types of issues like inflammation and, you know, and then, you know, going into all kinds of skin disorders and the constriction of your um, valves in your body and your organ tissue, which then leads to all kinds of health problems. And the list goes on. And that's not affecting just the kidney, the liver. But then you talk about the pancreas when you have too much sugar. And, you know, then it starts messing up the way that your neurological system is functioning because now your brain is having bad, you know, brain not getting function probably because your gut health isn't good. And so then it just creates this, you know, just a lot of, um, you know, misaligned energies. And, I always believe in life is about balance and finding the energy frequencies and having relationships with them that are harmonious and amplifying love. So in your relationships, with your friendships, with the people who work for you or you work for, and the types of communications you're having over lunch, are these things amplifying love into the world? Are they bringing harmonious energies into the world that are digestible to the human spirit? And if it's not, then what are you talking about and why? And that's really what it comes down to. Why are you you know, sharing the love, isn't that what we're trying to do? And I think that 
you know, that's what we try to bring with this Sakara Life podcast, helping show different perspectives, you know. You don't try. Some... You don't try. Let's change those words. <laughs> All right. Let's... Changing the language. <laughs> that's bring, you, bring do. you bring it. You bring it. Yes. It's done. It's been done. It was done before you even started it. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Ready exists in the spirit world. You're just bringing it to the physical and giving it a yeah. physical body. It's already done. You're not trying. All right. Well, that's what we do here. We, yeah. we, we bring, we bring different perspectives. We bring uh, new information, information to open hearts and open minds. And so we're so happy to have you on the podcast today. Um, I, my nipples are still, you know, tingling. <laughs> Council members it, are still talking to you. Yeah. Yep. I, I think it, it means that this has been a really great conversation and I just, I love talking to you. I know that we could talk to you all day, but, um, before we go, we would love for you to share some light work with our Sakara lights. So light work is an exercise that we give to our listeners to help uh, them expand and move into that place of love like you're talking about. And often for us, it's, you know, it can be a challenge to get past your certain wall or whatever it is, but maybe with yours, it, it's not going to be hard it's and painful. the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> it is really easy, actually. <laughs> Let's just go with the simple one, which is a great one that helps a lot of people. And it's helped a lot of people who've gone through a lot of suffering and trauma and pain in their life is really just to start the aspect of re, re, re-identifying the affirmation into soul talk. So the affirmation is, I am beautiful. So go ahead and say, I am beautiful. I am beautiful. And feel where that lands. Okay. Now say, I love how beautiful you are. I love how beautiful you are. And see where that lands. Mm -hmm. And what was that like? It's easier to say, I love how beautiful you are than speaking about myself. Exactly. And you know why? Because you're a multidimensional being. And being a multidimensional being, when you operate in the I am, it's referencing an experience of a moment. It's not referencing all of your being. So when you say, so let's let's do several of them. Say, I love how, how intelligent you are. I love how intelligent you are. I love how you make things easy and manageable. I love how you make things easy and manageable. I love how when you always walk in the room, you light up the room. I love that about you. I love how whenever you walk into a room, you light up the room. I love that about you. I love what a genius you are. I love what a genius you are. I love that you're feeling powerful energies in your body right now. I love that you're feeling powerful energies in your body right now. And I love how grounded and aware you are. I love how grounded and aware you are. And I love how your heart is so open to unconditional love for all beings. I love how open your heart is to unconditional love for all beings. I love how you're always showing up for yourself. I love how you're always showing up for yourself. And I love how you make space for yourself. And I love how you make space for yourself. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Do you see how your body feels right now? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's calm, peaceful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what else? What else are you feeling? Yeah, breath, peace, calm. Presence. Mm -hmm. So one of the key elements that have caused a lot of pain and suffering in the world, everything from war to famine to you name it, to hierarchies, is in the way we communicate to ourselves as individuals. And when we communicate to ourselves, most human beings have communicated to themselves in the way of what they're not doing and constantly reminding themselves of what's missing, what's lacking, what's not there. So the challenge is to soul talk yourself. The challenge is to soul talk yourself in a way that allows your soul to see and experience the truth of your being. So when you soul talk yourself, you're actually communicating to your soul directly and then it begins to take on that very thing that you've said. So like, watch, say, I love how right now. I love how right now. You're feeling lighter and lighter in your body. You're feeling lighter and lighter in your body. And what just happened? I sat up straighter. <laughs> yeah. Your soul listens to when you're soul talking. And if we spent more time soul talking ourselves with the most beautiful things to our soul, you would be the most shining, luminescent being on the planet because you are saying the right things to you. And when you say the right things to you, you're saying the right things to creation. And when you say the right things to creation, you then are emulating that out into the world for others. And so I always tell people, I'm very grateful for the way that you always show up for yourself because you show up for us. And so that's the key. That's my key for true transformation is to get into the space of soul talking every day to yourself, to your soul, the things that you choose to be. Beautiful. And if people don't know where to start, they can just follow what we just did on their own. They can. And, and start there for soul talking. Yeah. So easy. <laughs> it's super easy. It's my new mantra. <laughs> yeah, watch. I go like this. Put your right hand out. Go. Soul. Soul. Generate energy in your right hand. Generate energy, energy in your right, right hand. Increase it and make it stronger. Increase it and make it, make stronger. it stronger. I love how open you are to this exercise. I love how open you are to this exercise. To this exercise. Do you see what's happening to your hand? Yeah, for what sure. Happened? I can. I can feel like this orb of energy in my hand. That's right. Now, what if you were to utilize that power for every aspect of your life? Mm. What if you chose to speak in that way with your soul and you begin to merge the invisible with the tangible? Mm -hmm. Think about what you could do. The sky's the limits. Amen. I'm going to take that thought with me and start practicing my soul talking.
That was an incredible episode. <laughs> I yeah. hope I hope all of you guys did the exercises that he asked us to do because they're powerful. I'm definitely going to keep this episode on on repeat because I find I often need a reminder of of his teachings. But I'm going to change that. <laughs> it's so easy to remember. So easy, Danielle. Come on. Jeez. Yes. Um, starting now. It's starting now. I um I love our Sakara story from Amy in Florida. She will read her Sakara story to you, but she really touches on this idea of food as code and she almost has like this soul talk with herself. Yeah. Maybe she didn't mean to, but if she didn't, this is perfect soul talk right here. Okay. So Amy in Florida, her Sakara story is, and by the way, she was doing our level two detox. She says, I feel full of gratitude for every sensation, touch, smell, bite, interaction. This cleanse is the best. I can stop here and quit searching for a better one. I will do this again. This is beautifully a one-stop shop. I'm not easily impressed, but this program truly blew me away. I've lost five pounds. My skin is softer, clearer. My mind is aware. I feel kinder. I feel grateful. Thank you, Sakara Lights. I love how she talks about how she feels kinder. It's just, it's such a beautiful example of what we were talking about today in the episode of how food is information and code and everything that we think and do and feel and eat kind of tallies up to who we are. Yeah. I know that when I do our level two detox, it strips away a lot of that noise going into my body where I can just remember who I am again and just, just feels like me. And sometimes Maybe I'm putting too much aggressive, too many aggressive foods into my body, giving that code that I don't need. And so with level two, it really does just get me back to my core of who I am. And so I understand what she's talking about with feeling kinder Mm -hmm. um, and definitely more aware. Like I'm able to listen to that inner voice again and, and, often puts me back on my path if I'm feeling a little lost. So mm-hmm. this is such a beautiful, beautiful yeah. Sakara story. Thank you, Amy. And for those of you who are interested in level two detox or haven't tried it yet, um, it's something that we offer about once every four to six weeks. If you just follow us on social or check out our website, sakara.com, you can find out when the next detox is available. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. 
Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Bye.